Hello and welcome back to the Supercoach Champions podcast. It's Catfish here. It's the round four late mail edition. Critical, critical week for late mail. Unfortunately, don't have Wacko Jacko joining me yet again. Uh, one day, I swear, one day. But in the meantime, plenty of other sources you can get it from. NRL's got their own site. There's the there's the News Corp one. There's the NRL Supercoach Talk site from Stylesy. Yeah, look, just find some late mail, read it. Make sure you're up to speed as much as possible right now. Probably the main ones, Adam Dewey. Yep, uh, the, the latest mail I've seen there is that he was at the captain's run, didn't finish it. He hasn't trained otherwise. They're really managing this turf toe injury that he's got. Yeah, it's not great signs. And Dane Laurie's on the bench, so look, I'll come to that later. The other big one at this stage, Nico Hines, we're expecting him to play. His name, there's nothing to say he won't play, but... There's plenty of concern out there. Obviously, last game of the round, I've already expressed my thoughts on that. I'm not going to bang you over the head with it again. But yeah, definitely concerning. Another one, and it's probably more concerning for those who have Adam Dewey plus Isaiah Katoa at their 5'8 positions. Katoa at this stage, you know, he was at the captain's run, but he's got an injured elbow. He's got to pull up right and obviously be 100% or close enough to 100% fit. Otherwise, there's a good chance Anthony Milford will be taking on his former club on Saturday night. So keep an eye on that. Otherwise, yeah, and I'll talk about it shortly. You might need to make some plans at the 5'8 position. But that's enough of that. Plenty of questions this week, so I'm going to get straight to it. All right. First one, starting off from the Champs Discord. This one comes from Jamie163, asking about Adam Reynolds, whether he might be actually a better option over Nico Hines for the next three weeks. He could make 100 to 150,000, help bridge the gap, and Hines has a buy in round six. This also gives you 350,000 to use on other, other things. Asking because I really want Hines and wonder if Adam Reynolds is the smarter play. Uh, for further context, Jamie's actually a Sharks fan too, so that's obviously more incentive to have Nico. Look, I think if you're looking at it from a purely points based perspective, unless you're thinking Nico is going to go massive in any of the next two weeks, which he could. Obviously, their you know, logic says Adam Reynolds will score in three games, probably more than what Nico will in two. He's cheaper, so that 250000 definitely, yeah, you could stretch it further. One thing you'll never do is captain Adam Reynolds, though, so Nico is certainly a captaincy option this week if you can trust him playing. A first game back off a calf injury. Next week, technically, you know, a lot of people would have penciled in the Warriors round five as a potential captaincy option for Nico. Having said that, the 2023 Warriors, not the easy beats that a lot of people were expecting. They're actually quite tough defensively from what we've seen so far. Obviously, that can change, but I think it warrants a little bit of consideration. And obviously, then round six, Nico's definitely not playing since the Sharks have the buy that round. So for me, look, I can certainly get around taking the punt on Adam Reynolds for the next three weeks. The draw can't be much better, honestly, for the Broncos, so... You'd expect him to be a very safe option, you know, even if he doesn't get all the attacking stats. He played like rubbish the other night, uh, not not the, the week just gone, but even in round two. And he still scored like a 50, 60 point score just from goal kicks and doing all the, you know, in-game kicking, the force dropout, stuff like that. So if he gets amongst the attacking stats like he did last week, you know, that's where he's going to potentially go 80, 90, 100 plus he doesn't have the ceiling, you know, I think his career high is probably no more than like 120 and that's once in a blue moon. So that's probably the reality with Adam Reynolds, but I certainly can get around him. 
there is obviously the question of if he gets hurt, which it can happen. He's not as injury prone as a lot of people think he is, but it can happen. So, look, this is hard. Obviously, I'm probably a little bit more conservative when it comes to Nico right now with this injury. So if it's my team, I actually would pick Adam Reynolds, but it just really comes down to how bullish you are on Nico. If you have zero concerns about the calf, then I'll never talk anyone out of going with Nico straight up because we know he's one of the best super coach options right now and a genuine captaincy option any week that he does play, tough matchup or not. So, yeah, I hope that helps. Just a quick one here from Ramsey on, uh, from the Champs Discord again. Alisa Katoa, is it too late to jump on? Look, technically, no. He's obviously still quite affordable. He's been playing really, really well in terms of his stats. He, does, he doesn't mind dropping the ball a little bit here and there. He's still getting some defensive reads wrong now and then, but all things considered, I think you'd be pretty happy if you started with him, and I can certainly understand people looking at him. No Jerome Hughes for the next two weeks is not ideal, but we've seen in the past the Storm can attack both sides. Munster might roam. You know, it's not the end of you know any attacking stats there, so I certainly can get on board with Katoa. Probably the only question I'd throw in there is that do you see him as a top five second row forward come end of season? For me personally, I don't think I will see him that way. And, you know, maybe you're just thinking, well, he's cheap enough that I can get him now and still get points and he can be a trade-out later when maybe he's maxed out. Look, if that's how you're going to see it, then I don't don't hate the trade-in. It's just maybe just about managing expectations because, yeah, whilst he's got... Pretty bright start. He's, you know, almost 60 in base and base attack, which is great for an edge back rower, especially one at his price tag. But, yeah, long term, I don't know if he can keep that up for starters. And, yeah, just the upside seems a little bit capped for the time being while Jerome Hughes is out for the next two weeks. All right, next question. There's a couple that relate to Adam Dewey, so I'll just kind of tackle them all in one go. Uh, this one comes from at David underscore Bade underscore NZ. He asks, is it worth trading out Dewey using a boost? And who to? Wakeham. Don't have much money to spend. Thanks. So, look, I, I'm i a little bit cautious with Wakeham because, yeah, he looked good when he came on the field and obviously scored pretty well for Supercoach. I think, you know, two things. One, the Bulldogs probably have clocked off by then. You know, they were comfortably winning. And also, it was late in the game. And I think the way Cam Serraldo had used his bench, like, he hadn't really... I don't know if it was intentional or not, but he hadn't really spread the minutes around. So there were some tired forwards out there when Wakem came on. So, look, I, I wouldn't read too much into it. I just don't know he, if he would have scored that well if he had played the full 80 minutes. He's done all right in the past for Supercoach doing the full 80 minutes, and you'd think he's a good chance of goal-kicking too, although, again, Dewey did goal-kick last week despite the foot injury already. It's, it's some, a heap of unknowns, and I just don't know what Tim Sheen's going to do. If Wakeham has one or two bad games, does that mean he's going to shake it all up again? And do he goes back to 5-8? Or, yeah, that's my concern there. And, look, if you don't have much money to spend, like, for me, I really want to... If I want to trade out Dewey, I'm, I'm upgrading. You know, Munster, Dylan Brown, those are my two targets there. I see them and Dewey. You know, in the preseason, I saw those three guys as being 1-2-3, and three, basically, at 5 eight. That's on a season-long basis, though. And I guess, you know, we've talked about the Broncos draw. Ezra Mam is a legitimate option. There were obviously some concerns there, but again, he played half the game with, or more than half the game with a, a, a knee contusion. So he was in pain. So probably not as 
involved as he would be normally. You know, that type of stuff generally just goes away. So I'd expect him to be back to his normal kind of work rate and involvement this week and moving forward for the Broncos as well. So, look, if you can't afford someone higher, Ezra Mam's probably the guy I would target. Matty Burton, I can see some people interested in him again. My issue is he didn't goal kick last week. I don't know if that's because of injury or because maybe they've finally realised that they have a really good goal kicker in Carl Flanagan there and they should use him, especially since he's on the field anyway, but I don't know. So if he's not goal kicking, I just think Burton's not going to have that same ceiling, same reliability that those other three, you know, Munster, Dillbags, Dewey, a fit Dewey, uh, would normally have. So yeah, in summary, a fit Dewey, he's going to be solid. If you want to cut bait now and go to someone else, I'm, I'm trying to find a way to upgrade. From Eels Forever at Firecrotch. Hey Wolf, do I or don't I sell Dewey? Pick one. So the two options here, we've got Kalen Ponger and Dewey out for Dylan Brown and I'm assuming that's Jacob Preston. Number two is Tanner Boyd and Nico Hines. Sorry, Boyd and Dewey out for Nico Hines and Preston. So look, this is tough obviously because I've got my own opinion on, on whether I'm happy to go with Nico this week or not. Like I said again, and not to sound like a broken record, but the the fact that it's the last game of the round, I don't like the backup options. Like you're basically committing to trading in Trindle if you went for Nico and you know you he's not playing or whatever, or you have to go to someone like Ben Hunt or something like that, and that just doesn't sound appealing to me. So for that reason, I'm going to say Dylan Brown and Preston uh, getting rid of. And a similar question from NRIC Sponge at Ben with no number. If you have Katoa and Dewey, would you trade one of them out? And would you rather hold Dewey regardless and pair him with the Brown slash Munster in the future? So that is my 5-8 combo. And because of all the news lately and everything like that, I actually am committing to trading out Dewey. Right now, I'm still deciding, but I'm leaning towards bringing in Munster. No real logical rationale behind it. I just think my gut says Munster's going to stand up and deliver for the storm as they need him to. And yeah, that's probably where I would lean. Uh, I, I can get around holding Dewey. I know some people are keen to do it. And if you've got the capability to bring in a Brown or Munster instead this week and just have Munster, uh, you know, have Dewey on the pine, like I don't think I'd feel comfortable playing him this week, basically. Not with Laurie on the bench not with the fact that he's barely trained. Like, it sounds like he made it through, you know, majority of the captain's run, but he didn't didn't even finish it, hadn't trained all week. So I kind of think, you know, if the game's won or lost, basically, Dane Laurie's just going to come on and Dewey goes off, right? Why aggravate the, the toe any more than you need to? So that's my concern. So I'd be benching him if you had him. And that's fine if you want to ride out the cash drops and then cash rises once he starts playing normally again. But for me, I can certainly get around just trading someone else in for him. And if, again, if you're going to trade him out, then upgrade. Munster, Dillbags, I love them both. Obviously, just comes down to a gut call, depending on who you feel is going to go better. From at Jack Bread, Teddy to Walsh, Karaz or Garrick, head-to-head player. My answer to this is always, who does your opponent have this week and next week? I'd probably check them out both and just see if there's any common pods that you'd want to cancel out. For example, if they both had Garrick, for example, I'd probably want to match that. Uh, and, and same thing with Karaz. Uh, strictly on a money-making basis, I think Walsh is probably a good pod to just have, and you know he's going to make money. If you lose, 
you know, at least you're going to make lots of cash in the next couple of weeks. So that's not a bad consolation prize if you get what I'm saying. But yeah, first and foremost, I'm always going to suggest going with the pod that you want to cancel out. Or again, if you're a massive underdog because the rest of their team is really solid, then you might just want to keep going for the point of difference. So just hoping that Garrick fails and Karaz does well or vice versa, if you get what I'm saying. Samuel Shembri at James33Sammy asks, no one's talking about a potential pickup of Mano. Heard Brad Arthur say he wants him 80 minutes on the edge with Moses. Thoughts, Wolf? So firstly, like it's his first game, so you, you can watch. Like You don't, you don't have to get him straight away. I definitely wouldn't be buying him straight up which, without knowing how he's going to be used, whether he's going to play the full you know, 80 minutes on the edge. Like Brad Arthur said a lot of things, right? So <laughs> I don't know how confident I am just trusting him. And again, like I said on the other episode, the, the man's not trained on the edge. That's what I just don't get. And, you know, what, what BA has shown is that he doesn't trust any of other middles on this bench aside from, I think Murchie's the only guy who's gotten more than 30 minutes lately and he's out from his concussion. So I kind of feel even if Matto starts on the edge, maybe he ends up moving into the middle when Dury comes on and he might play 40, 50 minutes for the rest of the game. There's just a lot of unknowns. No reason to take a punt on him straight away, sight unseen. He might not be match fit either, even though he's not really the type of guy I think would skip sessions, especially not gym sessions. But yeah, he's a clear watch and wait candidate for me. SC Rob at Mr. Horse NZ asks, Champs need help. Have Walker and Hughes in the halves. Both are out. Rubbish. Ultimate goal is Cleary and Hines. I can afford both this week, but worried about Hines playing and Cleary's break even. Is there another halfback I should look at or just bite the bullet and set my halves up for the year? So Adam Reynolds, <laughs> I think he's a legit option. I'm not trying to be a Broncos homer about this. Like, you look at his numbers, you look at the draw. I just think there's a, you know, barring injury, I just don't see how badly it could go, honestly. So I think he's a fairly safe option, provided he stays healthy. That's my suggestion there. But you asked at the end about just setting your halves up for the year. Honestly, that's still a legitimate option. Yes, you'll cop some cash losses possibly, and you might be able to get them cheaper later. But if you never trade them out again, barring injury... And, you know, who cares, right? You, maybe not you specifically, but plenty of super coaches were keen to do the Cleary-Hines combo from round one. Obviously, Hines' injury ruined that. So, yeah, a lot of people would have paid the same prices that you're going to pay right now for Cleary and Hines. So I don't really have an issue if you want to pay those same prices to get them in this round and have them moving forward. From Otia Rowan at the underscore Scarfy, with the rise of Gilbert and Katoa, would you aim for them if you have Cotter or go straight to Tino slash Tarpane, who are one playoff big points, or Kaloa Matangi, who is killing it? Sounds like you've obviously got some options there. I think Gilbert is good value. He's obviously doing really well, getting plenty of minutes. I just don't know how able he is to sustain that, right? We just haven't seen him do it. So if he's going to be able to do it, then great. I think he's going to be a good value for that price tag. I'm assuming that Katoa is Elisa Katoa, so same thing with him. It's just a consistency that he's always struggled with in the past, so I don't mind if you want to jump for them. At the same time, I, I, I'm going to ask the same question. like, Is Gilbert potentially going to be a top three, top four front row forward? I don't know. I would lean no because I think Haas is going to be there, Tarpane is going to be there, Torhu's going to be there, Tino's probably going to be there. So I think if you can afford to get up to one of those premiums, 
then I'd probably happily spend that money just locking that away. Because if you get Gilbert, right, are you going to spend another trade trading Gilbert to one of the likely top three, top four guys come in the season? Or does he then just be your third or fourth front row forward and you're only playing him in a case of emergency, in which case are you then spending more trades later on on those other front row forward options who might be more expensive than they are now, for example. So I guess that's probably how I'm looking at it. Again, I don't have an issue of people going for Gilbert because he's good value and I think he could be really safe uh, to continue delivering 60s and 65s or whatever. But that's probably the only thing I will say. Like he'll never... Look, sorry, that's probably a bit rough. It's not that he'll never. It's probably unlikely that he'll ever be a 70 plus 75 average like Haas, uh, Tarpane, Torhu, Tino. They have proven they can do that. This question comes in from at NRL tweet. Hi, bud. I have heaps of cash in the bank and I need to spend, but do you hate the idea of going Warbrick to Walsh and then Latrell or Teddy? Rather than going straight to Latrell by bypassing Walsh, I've already got Tommy and Hammer who would move to the centre wing and can afford the direct to Latrell move. And as a follow-up there, I should note, if I go Walsh route, I can still do Cotter and Welsh to Tarpane and Haas using a trade boost this week and still have 120000 cash left over. Hence the temptation to wait on Latrell. Look, I think given how much cash you have, I would absolutely spend it all. Upgrade, get Haas, get Tarpane, and if Walsh coming in helps with that, rather than spending it all and getting to Latrell... I think that will really improve your scores. I think overall, like every dollar that you don't have, obviously not exactly every single dollar, but the more cap you've got sitting in your bank, that's less team value on the park, right? So unless your cheap players are just all outperforming their value, most likely you can improve your 17 each week by spending that cash and and using it to upgrade the players you've got on the field. So that's why I would say spend up and having some bank is good, but... I wouldn't do it unnecessarily and generally I try to keep that bank rolling in based off trading outside my 17 and bolstering my 17 scoring each week by upgrading like I was kind of explaining in the other episode. So yeah, spend up Tarpane Haas Walsh. I think that would work very well for your team there was. From Joshua Williams at Rangri Ranger 46. <laughs> what a handle. Bring in Walsh but need to trade the center wing to get him. He's got Taruva at fullback after trading Teddy last week. Who do I trade? Holmes, Toto, or Stags? Initially planned Stags, but a good score potentially gives him the ability to make cash. So this is hard because I think Holmes and Toto have the ability to genuinely be top four, top five center wings coming in the season. Definitely don't trade Holmes. I think he's going to... I, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes 80 plus this week. So I would not trade Holmes. Toto... It's tough, right? Because he's on that right wing. His base and base attack is still solid, but Taruva could, if especially if the Panthers keep attacking on the left, Taruva could actually outscore him this year, which is kind of scary to think about. Because it's not a slight on Toto as a player. He's clearly a better player than Taruva, but just sometimes it's the location that you're in that's going to deliver the points, right? Any winger could probably score not quite as well as Alex Johnston can, on the left wing, but yeah, I think we saw in previously, even Robert Jennings did well playing on the left wing for the Rabbitohs. The right wing of the Roosters is another prime real estate location where Supercoach points seem to flow. Jackson Paulo is obviously proof of that. As we know, you know, he's a, he's a first grader, but 
he's not like a superstar yet he's scoring for Supercoach like one because that's how good that wing spot is. So for me, I think you talk about Stags making money, like Walsh is going to make that money for yourself as well. Do you really have a lot of confidence in the Broncos? Do you want to have the right center as well as the fullback and any other Broncos that you might have in your team? If that's, you know, if you're bullish on them, then that kind of does make sense. Like Walsh could pass the ball to Stags and, you know, get the try assist, line break assist for a line break try, try for Stags and that's a points explosion for you. Yeah, it, it, that's a really tough question. I would probably lean towards trading Stags out. That's probably the, the rational, conventional Logic on the basis that Holmes and To'o will be your gun center wings that just stay there all season. But like I said, I can certainly get around maybe a To'o trade out if you know, you've already got Taruva and maybe you don't want to lean too heavily into the Panthers because, again, so far the Panthers have not been fantastic. I know this is not going to help, but I think at the same time To'o could score quite well this week, uh, subject to weather and all that type of stuff. But... Yeah, just thinking about the grand final, like he scored 141, I think, playing on the wing uh, in the grand final. Two tries, a couple of line breaks. It could easily happen again, obviously. Sorry, I probably just confused you further. So, yeah, in summary, I think Stags to Walsh is probably the, the safest move of the three. Holmes is definitely not a trade. I think if you want to, you know, depending how bullish you are on Toto, he could be an option to trade out. Just don't. Don't at me if he goes large this this week because I think he can. <laughs> I missed this one before, but from Year of the Bird at Filio 1802, Dewey to Dillbags and Teddy to Garrick. Could also go Boyd to Luke, but not sure I've seen enough from Sonny to warrant a boost. Yeah, look, I think uh, I don't know if I really would feel like I need to boost to get Tanner Boyd down to Luke for the cash, but... For context, if Luke does average 40, he'll probably peak at around 400,000, which is obviously around about 165,000 profit from the price that he is at now. So it's a matter for yourself if you think that's worth the trade and the boost there. I mean, yeah, I don't know what your cash situation is like. So if you've got all the other cheapies, maybe you don't need it. If you missed on a couple, then yeah, you've got to build your team value somewhere. So it might be worth it for yourself there. But otherwise, I really don't have any issues with your trades. Next question comes in from Fisher Talks Fantasy at Fisher FPL NRL. Is it worth downgrading this second row forward? If yes, which one and to who? Stacked is probably a good description for this second row. Cam Murray, Dave Fafita, Pat Carrigan, Elisa Katoa, Jermaine Hopgood and Jacob Preston. So you've probably got all the cash cows and the best mid-ranger for the price tags. So yeah, look, if you were going to trade someone out, then like I said, Fafita... Is, is I mean, he's not playing next round, so he might be a genuine option there, but he's got a pretty good potential matchup running at Nanai and uh, Townsend this week. I was going to say with Carrigan, he's going to play Origin and you probably want to trade him out then, but, I mean, that applies to Murray. That most likely applies to Fafita as well. So, look, it's got to be one of those three. I'm not trading the other three out. Now, Fafita is the only one who's got to buy in anytime soon. That might just be the tiebreaker, I think, between the three. Like, I think all three are going to go well. So, yeah, look, obviously I don't know what the rest of your team looks like, but hopefully you've got some dual positions so you can flip them around. For example, if you trade out for Fida, bring in Payne Haas, almost a straight swap. Or if not, Joey Tarpane is cheaper than Fafita's price tag by like, you know, seven, eight thousand dollars So he could be an option. 
yeah, I think that's probably what I'd look at. A couple of start-sit decisions here from Jeff Brown at GB21. Who would you play as last reserve out of Warbrick, Dury, Moale, Boyd, or Khan Pereira? Secondary, how many minutes should we expect from Moale this week? Look, don't play Moale. I just don't know how how many you're going to get from him. And even when he's gotten 30 or so minutes, he hasn't really done much with it. So, no, just don't do that. Play the 80-minute winger. Play the 80-minute half. I would go Warbrick just on the matchup. I know he's been very disappointing, but surely, surely he goes better against the Tigers, right? And from D at Barker Storm Tiger, Alamotti versus Taruva as final center wing pick at this stage. Okay, so two parts. So look, I think Taruva I'm going to go with, unless the weather's really horrible. It's just him, he was hitting really, really decent, like basically 14 base, base tack roughly, plus a lot of upside. So I definitely can get around Taruva. If the weather's too bad, then yeah, I don't have an issue with Alamotti. He was really good last week. And in, in round two, he also showed a really solid base of I think round 44 was his base and base attack. So so both guys do seem pretty safe. So maybe just check the weather and if it's really not that great, then skip to River and he can play Alamotti. So the second part of the question is, at this stage, your predictions of top four center wing for 2023? Really tough, right? So I think Val Holmes, I'm pretty confident will be there. I'm going to go out on a limb and just say, look, I've seen enough from Karaz. I think he'll be there at end of season, provided he's keep, keeping up this work rate. I would expect Ruben Garrick to be there, except I do think he's going to move to centre, and I think once he moves to centre, he won't be a top-four centre wing anymore. Just he's not going to have the upside needed to be able to be there. Otherwise, the fourth centre wing is really wide open. There's so many names that could be in this list here. I mean, Alex Johnston's always a good shout. Joey Manu, you know, he, he hasn't even gotten started really. Campbell Graham seems to have lifted his game another level. Herbie Farmworth is absolutely on fire. He's such he's in such good form. And it's not always translated to Supercoach, but so far it's doing pretty well. Selwyn Cobo definitely has the potential, but I don't know if he will. And look, I could go on and on. There's so many names that could be in here. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it will be Joey Manu come end of season so there okay so in summary Val Garrick if he stays on the wing Karaz and Joey Manu top four center wings for 2023 all right that'll do for questions thanks again for sending them all in gives me something to chat about and also to yeah to sift through for my own team at this stage so funny story I know I came on this last week and talked about getting Jesse Arthurs and yeah rest assured I knew how dumb that was so I thankfully didn't do it. I ended up going with Jermaine Asako and yeah, look, sometimes you just got to trust the numbers. He had a really nice negative break even. He scored 54 and 48 in the first two rounds without any attacking stats. So that's from his base and base attack plus his goal kicking. In round three, he scored 41, but he also kicked four from seven goals only, which is much, I mean, that's definitely below his career average. So even if he'd kicked, you know, five from seven instead of four from seven, he would have been 47 uh, for his base and base attack plus goal kicking. So right now, Asako, while the Dolphins are doing quite well, actually really safe floor. And I never thought I'd say that. But look, credit to him. He looks happier. He looks settled. Wayne Bennett's obviously working his magic again. So yeah, like I can definitely get around 
Sarko being a really steady option right now while the Dolphins are still playing well. Having said that, I don't think I'd want to play him this week, if possible. But again, like I said, if the Dolphins turn out to be semi-reliable and consistent and it's not just a flash in the pan to start this season, then he could definitely remain a solid and reliable option up until, I mean, the Dolphins play around 13. So that's always going to be handy as well. Anyway, that just is to explain why I've got Osaka on my team right now. For this week, I'm, I'm really stumped. I'm not decided at all. I've got a couple of options. I was thinking of going cheese to Sunny Luke and then upgrading elsewhere. I've Right now, I think I'm going to bring in Cam Munster for Adam Dewey. Just I'm not a fan of that situation. And I might trade out Sam Walker as well, looking at maybe going to Schuster as much as I don't want to do that, but it's probably the best way to raise cash. I've also looked at going hitting the boost and then I'll maybe turn Osako into Karaz. I've got a bit of FOMO with Karaz and obviously really high on him. So I honestly haven't decided. But yeah, look, good luck everyone. Uh, make sure you stay on top of late mail and yeah, chat again next week. Go!